I'm R.J. Bell with a sports betting update for Thursday. Steelers win, remain undefeated. Ravens with the backdoor cover. Kansas City, though, is still the Super Bowl favorite. NBA action, Westbrook for Wall. Rockets still only 40-1. to Lakers lock up their big two, but still paying almost 3-1 to to win the title. Breaking news with that college football, Coastal Carolina. You might say who? In the power ratings, the 20th best team in the country. They play BYU. BYU favored by double digits. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm RJ live on a Thursday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 plus FSR stations across this great, great nation in studio. Steve Fezzik. Steve, I noticed yesterday you felt a little more diligent, like you were taking notes when you usually don't. And it dawned on me, you had just received a jumbo check from pregame. Was there any connection? I'm not going to say it was unrelated. (laughs) Sports bettors listen for the money, and Steve's here for the money. (laughs) Fans to know more than their buddies. He's here not as much for the money, I can promise you that. In L.A., my favorite Joe, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we get an inch closer and a day closer to week 13 in the NFL, we've also got major action in the NBA via signings and a trade. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? Yeah, we're going to spend some time on the NBA, but let's start. Let's put to bed last or yesterday afternoon's game. I think very telling key injury in the game. And also Tomlin, a lot of... um, pessimism after the game we're going to break it down yeah and we mentioned week 13 is just around the corner but we did just finish week 12 it was yesterday it was Steelers over the Ravens 19-14 was the final Pittsburgh 11-0 on the season first off to some degree I think you can't over extract you can't over analyze this game it was unlike any game we've seen I mean Pittsburgh was frustrated off of in the prior Tennessee situation where they had a game in which it was delayed and it was pushed back. They lost their bye. They were frustrated by that. Here it moves from Thursday and on and on. They win the game. So to some degree against a rival, and all the games seemingly are close between the Ravens and the Steelers, to just win that game handily. I mean, there wasn't really any situation that you felt like, the Ravens got a real good chance here. Would you agree with that, Feds? There was no situation like that. Absolutely. No chance. And frankly, it was sh- almost shocking with three minutes to play that you, you said, wait a minute, the Ravens could actually win if everything went right after the McSorley bomb. Yeah, but do you think so? You know, Mackenzie, have you done the—we uh, do a new thing in which we actually look at the fourth quarter— 
and take a weighted average of the win percentage chances. So it looks like we've got it right here. So the Ravens had less than a 5% chance to win on average in the fourth quarter. So usually those those 96 four percentage splits, Fez, you aren't thinking, boy, that 4% looks mighty juicy, right? No. So I would make the following case. And I want to get Jonas's thought on this. There was a point in the game yesterday, we were doing live in-game odds. Yes, thank you. And <laughs> But we were not using any accounts of the game without the express written consent. We would never, ever do that. We don't want to go to jail. But the fact is, Harbaugh punted in a given situation, and it felt like to me there was no reason to punt if your goal was to win the game. What was there, about three and a half minutes left? It was left? five and a half minutes, fourth and ten. They had the ball in about their own 25. All right, so Ravens, fourth down, and they punt. They needed two scores. Yes. At that point, game theory says you do what? Yeah, you go for it, and is, you likely is, is don't it, get is it. it. Even, is it even a close call? No, not even close. So, Jonas, what I speculated on air was that this is Harbaugh thinking, we don't, we're not going to win this game, and I don't want 10 years from now people to look at this game and think, oh, my gosh, Steelers rolled over in that game because this Harbaugh-Tomlin battle is going to go down in history. Do you think that's the reason he didn't go for it and the fact that they broke a touchdown the next possession – Boy, if they had broken that touchdown on fourth down, it would have been a whole different game. What do you think the rationale of that move by Harbaugh was, Jonas? I think he clearly identified that this game isn't possible for us to win. The 70-yard touchdown from McSorley. McSorley had never thrown a touchdown pass in his career. So that was a fluke circumstance, a fluke situation in which celebrated on air in front of McKenzie's face over. Uh, but I think I think John Harbaugh recognized, all right, it's better to just get out of here, which is what makes then why not the end of the game. Then? That's the thing. It's what makes the end of the game that much more ironic in that he was upset at the spot in which basically iced the game, yet it was him that almost iced the game by punting it as late as he did. I agree. And I think that there's really no no one can give me any rationale for Harbaugh not going for it there that has anything to do with winning the game. There's, there's no objective way to say he increased his chance to win the game by punting. 5-13 left on their own 28. It was a situation where, almost like on Saving Private Ryan, yes, I know you all were thinking that. <laughs> At the end, spoiler alert, when Tom Hanks is down, he's bleeding, and there's a tank coming at him. And he's pretty much, you know, done. He takes out his pistol and starts shooting at the tank. Just shooting at the tank. And I won't give it away, but you don't want to be inside that tank at the end. That is a metaphor, Fez. Is in your last breaths, you're supposed to shoot a pistol at a tank. Harbaugh said, no, I'm packing up my gun. I'm getting ready for my post-game press conference so I can start crying about things. Complaining about this or that. <laughs> uh, those Harbaugh's. Not a fan. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. It could be coincidental I'm a Steelers fan and an Ohio State fan, <laughs> but, but maybe not. Jonas, what was your main takeaway? Anything else we haven't covered on the game? 
I just there's some skepticism on how good the Steelers are, and I can understand that they don't win in the prettiest ways. They're not blowing teams out. They're not you know the 2007 Patriots who are who are you know destroying teams offensively and defensively. But I still think we got to give them credit. And in an off season in which we really didn't have one, a quarterback returning at his age um, with a sur- coming off a of surgery that we've never seen anybody come back from in the NFL and you see them already lose Bush earlier this season with all of this and everything going on this 11 and 0, especially this season, I think is really, really impressive. And I just feel like there's a lot of people that are downplaying it and just taking it for this is a normal year, which it is not even close to being one. You make a good point about this is a year of high variance and to be undefeated in a year of high variance. Huh? I think what is happening, and it's something that happens to Fed sometimes, you get a narrative in your head. And the narrative fairly, fairly was Pittsburgh was beaten up on some weak teams and weren't as good as their undefeated record. I think that that case could have been made. But after the 10, you know, then they go and beat Baltimore in Baltimore. Now that's a team, Fez, I have some tape here. Let me play it real quick. I hear, yeah, this is fun. Ah, the Ravens are the, ah, them and the Chiefs are so far above anyone else. It's like nose bleeding. You remember that? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> and that was the team that, st- and if I recall, who did you like in that Steelers Ravens game when the Ravens were favored by, what was it, four? Yeah, I liked uh, Baltimore. Ravens all the way are going to roll. But then. They didn't, did they? No, they didn't. But then it was like, well, but there were turnovers. Good stats, RJ. Good stats. And you know what? I hear you. Now, the Ravens have dropped off. There's something amiss. Forget RG3. Forget you know that injury or the COVID. But there's something amiss with the Ravens. You know, their chance to make the playoffs right now are, wow, there's still 67% chance to make the playoffs. But still, a full third chance the Ravens don't even make the playoffs. But I think Pittsburgh, when you look at the Tennessee game after that, in which they controlled that game. I mean, you can look. There was a given point that it could have been tied. They controlled that Minus game. Minus three in turnovers, still one. That, which is like 10% of the time that happens. So Tennessee's maybe what? The 10th best team, 8th best team in the uh, NFL? Yeah. Uh, in that range? Yep. And Steelers are minus three in turnovers and, st- and, and still win the game. And that game was in – where was that game at? Yeah. In Tennessee, yeah. Impressive. So that's an impressive win. I mean, this Tennessee team just beat the Ravens. They just beat the Colts. So yeah. I, I, to me, Jonas, I think you're right that there's skepticism about the Steelers. And in a way, it's like, well, they're not an all-time great team. Maybe not. Maybe if they were 10-1 and or whatever, you'd think they were better. I don't know. But what I know is this team, the only team that you could say are in – the conversation is Kansas City. And as good as the Saints are, I just don't think the Saints are in the conversation. Though I think the Saints are solidified at three. But the the Vegas opinion, the sharp opinion, Kansas City number one, Pittsburgh number two, Saints number three with Breeze for sure, three. I tend to agree with it, but I think the distance from the Chiefs and the Steelers is very small. A lot of sharp people think it's it's wide that the that the Chiefs are so much better. What are the Super Bowl odds right now? Kansas City plus two seventy five, and then Pittsburgh and the Saints tied at plus five fifty. Now that, number two picks. 
Now, see, to me, if I had to pick either, if someone said, right, here's a thousand bucks, RJ, thanks for all the good times and all the information and the winners and the, making me laugh, making me cry. And I'd say, thank you. Yes. And free roll, thousand bucks, bet any team you want between the Saints and the Steelers. I take the Steelers at those odds, five and a half to one, so quick, my head spins because of the Breeze uncertainty. If Breeze was 100% healthy, now, I would say Pittsburgh by a smidge. But with the breeze uncertainty, how can you say the Saints and the Steelers have the same odds? I agree. 11 broken ribs. I think that's just a leap of faith that he's going to come back and be close to where he was, right? And if not, I mean, let's not be fooled by Taysom Hill because he's played serviceably, but that's it. That's it. Fez, how much distance do you see right now? I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas, speaking with Steve Fezzik in Vegas with me. How much distance do you see between Kansas City and Pittsburgh? Neutral field, let's say. Two and a half points. That's reasonable. So in Pitt, so this line is uh, Casey, the smallest favorite if it's in Pittsburgh. Yes. Well, who would you take in that game, Jonas? I would take after the Dupree injury. I would take Kansas City. Oh my gosh! How much? How much? How many points are you giving to Dupree? I mean, I just think that's a big loss for Pittsburgh. I really Maybe. do. I think that's a big loss. I think it hurts their defense. Everybody, I mean, that's the thing. You're right. When you're a hardcore fan, you you want everyone. You start to care about the players. You want everyone to be good. But people get hurt, right? I mean, in a way, I think Pittsburgh's had. I mean, Bush they lost so two linebackers. And that's a great point. So now, normally, maybe Dupree, we wouldn't downgrade significantly, but because Bush is out as well, yeah. I downgrade him half a point. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So, a lot of questions about Tomlin as we wrap up the game. I like what he's doing. I'm a hard, you know, what's he doing? He's after the game saying, we suck, you know, really over the top in a way. I don't agree with the assessment, but I like where he's coming from. Because my complaint about Tomlin from day one is he, it was kind of fake it till you make it. It was like no matter what he was going to say, it's standards the standard, and it was like it felt like a lot of fortune cookie stuff to me. Listen, the public ate it up, the media eats it up. They love Tomlin. When he decides to retire, they're going to be fighting for him to be an announcer, no doubt about, it, or a studio guy. He has it all set, and he's a very brilliant guy. I mean, listen, all great things, but at the highest level of coaching, I felt like it was a little facile. It was a little shallow. And I think last season, as a close watcher of the team, when they lost Big Ben, it was the first time Tomlin didn't have a top seven quarterback. Remember, he came in with Big Ben, and he had Big Ben all those years. They made two Super Bowls, not any in the last decade, not a single Super Bowl appearance. The Steelers have underperformed in the last decade. With Big Ben, no doubt, no doubt. But without Big Ben... Tomlin became the underdog, and to will that team to 8-8 eight and eight was a great coaching job last year. Yeah, I think they would have put the over-under at five wins after they started 0-3, and, and they ah, lost That's fair, game. that's fair. And I think that Tomlin learned something, because the way things used to be, the Steelers were lax. And think about it, there was, after the, the Cowboy game, there was a sense of, oh, here's the old Steelers, almost losing a the game they should win easily. And what happened since? Blow out Cincinnati. Blow out Jacksonville. Now, you're saying they're supposed to. Yeah, and they did. 
Cincinnati was only a six and a half point dog at close in that game, right? Yes, all the money on the Bengals. So, and I was in Pittsburgh. So Tomlin is different this year, and I like the fact he's raising the stakes. And as much as you might say, why does home field matter? Because, well, no fans? Because there's only one bye. And it's the, the number one seed is going to have to play two games to get to the Super Bowl. Everyone else is going to have to play three. And remember, the Steelers and their bye situation after that Tennessee game is they could use that bye and the fact the game didn't go to Week 18, that'd be interesting. If they do have to have a Week 18 that doesn't involve Pittsburgh, in theory, as the number one seed, they'd get two weeks off. I think Pittsburgh really needs the time off at least one. Closing a, thoughts. Yeah, that's a great point. Look at the schedule. Seven of the last 11 games for Pittsburgh are on the road. Three of their last four games are on the road. So here's a team. Oh, a tired team at the end, too. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. Closing thoughts, Jonas. Yeah, and I also think they didn't get many favors in the fact that they've got to come back around. I think they're playing Monday against Washington. I think that's their next turnaround. So it's not only did they lose their bye, they had the game postponed two or three times. Then they've got to come back and they've got to play again on Monday, which to me just showcases, as I said, that it's that much more impressive what they're doing going undefeated thus far. And if you actually look at the line in that Monday game, it shows you how much the marketplace is assessing it to be a real negative for Pittsburgh. Because yesterday it was under double digits. Right now I'm seeing it. Washington is a, wow, it's an eight and a half point underdog only to Pittsburgh. So think about this. Steelers at home. The Bengals, we were just saying, oh, they were about a seven point under. Washington, who is not a very good team, is only eight and a half. So the Vegas is telling us that Pittsburgh is suffering because of all this scheduling. Because in a normal spot, Fez, Pittsburgh equally rested to Washington. What's the line in that game in Pittsburgh? 11. Couple of points now, two, two and a half points of adjustment because of the bad spot the league is putting Pittsburgh in. But you know what? Steelers aren't complaining. You know who is? Harbaugh. He smells. All right. He smells. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I, I don't control the board. <laughs> he smells. All right. When we come back, Fez and I, crossfire style. He is on... The Chargers and Anthony Lynn, and I'm with the genius. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will get a crossfire in the NFL between R.J. and Steve Fezzik. And we did, a, I think, a really interesting job covering the Steeler game in the first segment. I did forget one fact about the game. Presented without editorial comment. It's a great day to join. We got that crossfire with Fez and I. Then this Coastal Carolina game against BYU is interesting. And we got something on RG3. I spent about an hour researching his rookie year. And I got some sound that is going to be... It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. But in a good way, it makes you appreciate what you have. 
This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We promise to work hard to continue making this the best football season yet. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Search for RJ Bell or Straight Out of Vegas. Even Jonas Knox, maybe. If you search for Jonas, I think it would come up, wouldn't it, Jonas? I don't know. I try not but to. How do you even spell Knox, yeah, right? It's, it's confusing. <laughs> Fort Knox, baby. <laughs> Now, that's not a nickname from like you not paying the check, is it? No, like, I'm pretty good with paying. Fort Knox. Yeah, I'm pretty good with picking up a uh, check. From time <laughs> I'm to time. sure he's a, he's a very generous fellow. <laughs> right here in Las Vegas, 57 degrees on the Strip. The neon is pumping. So, RJ, this weekend, this Sunday in L.A., it is the Patriots on the road to take on the L.A. Chargers. Right now on pregame.com, the Chargers are a pick 'em against those Patriots. All right, so this is what we call crossfire. When you hear this music, you know there's a battle brewing. Now, Fez, we did a crossfire on the podcast yesterday. Didn't go well for you. No. But now you know what I'm going to say. But I'm still letting you take the lead. The game, the Chargers, the Patriots, Patriots now are one-point favor. Who do you got? I'm on the Chargers and Better said, I'm against the Patriots. I'm convinced the Patriots are overrated. You look at the last month. Now, the narrative is the Patriots were on a four-game losing streak, and they've righted the ship, and they're playing better. I don't see it, RJ. They almost lost to the Jets. Some could argue they should have lost that game to the Jets, and then when they played Baltimore, they got to play in that monsoon with all that rain. I'm confused. Did Baltimore have to play in the monsoon, and the Patriots didn't? Was it like half the stadium? Like there was always like an umbrella over? I'm confused. No, but the Patriots were clearly more ready, had practice with wet balls. They even said that after the. Uh, um, so you're saying the Patriots have a good coach? That I is very think, good in these. I don't think situations. that's going to change. But go ahead. And then most recently, that game against Arizona. It was just a confluence of bad events that happened to poor Arizona. Well, that's what good teams do. They make the other team play badly. They make them miss their field goal. They make their quarterback, you know, go down instead of picking up the first down, making business decisions. It was a game Arizona dominated the stats and really should Dominated the stats, huh? What were the stats? They were plus 120 yards. Is that, do- is that dominated? Well, Patriots only had 179 in yardage. So. But wait, is it how many yards you have or is it the differential or what? I'm confused. Because you can't say, oh, they dominated the stats. Well, it was uh, about 100 yards more. Well, but, but they didn't have a lot of yards. Uh, well, you know, come on. They lost the game. They lost. This confluence of events, what was it exactly? Is it that, that the quarterback didn't, like, barrel through a linebacker? Is, is that it? And they missed a field goal. That's the confluence of events. And at the end of the first half, it ended on the one-yard line, and Arizona well, got that, no But points. isn't that the brilliant thing that all the new-age coaches do is go for it, go for it, go for didn't it? work. You know, sometimes you don't make it. Sometimes you don't make it. And everything went perfectly for the Patriots, I'm assuming. Right? No holding penalty. Nothing went wrong for them. Pretty much everything oh. did go perfectly. Okay, continue. Including getting, Are you going to talk about the team you're betting at any point? Well, it's I have the Chargers. I, I'm not hearing anything. The, the problem is I can't make as good a case for the Chargers, <laughs> who I have rated as a slightly below average team. But still, I have them rated as the better team, RJ, at home. I have to take them at Pickham. You done? Yes. That was it? That's it. <laughs> you ever watch Carlito's Way, Jonas? Remember Al Pacino? I, I, I've seen bits and pieces. I don't know word for word, though. 
at the end, they have the uh, prosecutor has Al Pacino in, and he's offering him a deal to turn state's evidence. And he listens, and he listens, and finally goes, that's it? <laughs> it's like, that's you. He goes, nope, and he walks out. But he waited patiently, and he said, that's it? That's it, Fez? Here's the reality. Anthony Lynn is one of the worst coaches in the NFL. True or false? True. Might be a nice guy. I hear he's great at parties. He's not a great NFL coach. Belichick is the greatest to ever walk the earth. True or not? True. When does a bad coach get exploited the most? Against the best coach. How did, let's say, I think Flores from Miami's regarded well, wouldn't you say? Yes. Chargers just played Miami, didn't they, they recently? They did. How'd that game go? Miami won by eight, deserved to win, nothing fluky at all. And what happens is special teams, just in general, a deficient, detail-oriented coach against a genius suffers. Well, Anthony Lynn is now going to the mountaintop against the greatest coach. And by the way, Flores, him and Belichick actually have a little history, don't they? Yeah, Flores obviously in the Belichick tree used to be with New England. So, and he runs a defense similar to what Belichick. And how did Miami do generally in the game against Herbert? Yeah, held him in check, only got 21 points. So what we have is almost a lesser version of the Patriots, at least coaching-wise, going in and dominating the Chargers. Now Belichick gets to watch that tape and say, oh, I noticed what Herbert did there. I noticed what he did there. Now I'm going to bait him in the first quarter with this for that. That scares you deep down, doesn't it? I got Austin Eckler back. I got my running back back. He ran the ball a lot that recent game, didn't he? (laughs) Now, last point. Bill Belichick against first or second year players, quarterbacks specifically, is outstanding. McKenzie, pregame.com research. McKenzie, you got those numbers in front of you? Is first and second year quarterbacks, ATS record, Belichick? 65% throughout his career. Six. Jonas, two out of three times he plays a first. Or, this is back to the Browns now. And amazingly, in that middle tier where you're three years to about nine years, I think, where you're healthy and you got a good brain, you know, you know the game, Belichick is only 53%. And then old quarterbacks, Belichick dominates. So he dominates them when they're young. He dominates them when they're old. He holds his water when they're in between. Well, Herbert's a great talent, but he's young. He's in trouble, Fez. You've got a horrible coach and an inexperienced quarterback against a genius on a mission to have a winning season. And I'm laying how many points? Oh, none. You want to give up? No. <laughs> Jonas, who do you like? Uh, I'm not going against Belichick, just like I wasn't going to go That's against smart. Belichick last week. Let me tell you something, guys. Life is not easy. For the kids out there, if you haven't figured this out yet, it's not easy. You're lucky if you're still breathing. We're all lucky. You never know when the the day's the last day. Don't overcomplicate your life. Don't bet against Belichick. Don't do horrible drugs and don't bet against Belichick. Take that with you. Fez, somehow you didn't learn that lesson, did you? I said to myself, my power ratings, I work so much on them. I'm not going against them. Better team, home team, sticking with it. And for new listeners, and we get them all the time, when we do a crossfire, this isn't for fun. We're not betting Mountain Dew or whatever. Which, I, hey, listen, I like people betting Mountain Dew more than betting nothing. So, congratulations. I like it. We bet cash. Now, we've got, what, 300 on this from the pod? Mm-hmm. 
we the Fox guy FSR guys like us to keep it low, so we'll just add an extra hundred to it. That sounds good. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> well, I don't, you don't want to get your bankroll in trouble, is what you're saying. All right, we're going to talk in the news. Coastal Carolina BYU double digit favorite. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. I love, love, love what BYU and Coastal Carolina is doing. It's like, uh, we need three years to schedule. I don't know if you know this, but it, the games are scheduled for 2024 last year. But now all of a sudden, when it's necessary, when there's no BS, oh, Pac-12 can have a game literally scheduled within like 36 hours. Noon on Sunday, yeah, let's do it. NFL doesn't kick off for an hour. Let's go. It's, it was 9 a.m. local time. 9 a.m. Duke, Miami of Florida, Florida State. Oh, you guys go down there. That's awesome. Jonas, as a fan, doesn't that just, one, feel great, and two, doesn't it show the BS that all this talk about three years ahead has been? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is, you know, they want time to be able to, to you know, sell that, get the hype train going. It's a, it's a back-to-back series, whether it was Notre Dame and Miami back in the day or whoever it was, and or Alabama, USC, whatever the case may be. The fact that BYU was looking for an opponent, felt like they were getting jobbed in the playoff rankings, and said, okay, we'll just go out and we'll find a team that's got an open date. Uh, Liberty couldn't make the game, so we looked around. We see Coastal Carolina, and you're going to get two unbeaten teams and and they're going on the road to do it, I think it's fantastic. I love it. Coastal Carolina is going to have 5,000 fans at the game, is what they're allowing. And you might say, who's Coastal Carolina? Who's high pitch? And here is what we know. Based on the computer rankings that we very much respect, the following teams should be underdogs if they played Coastal Carolina. Texas. Coastal Carolina should be favored over Texas, should be favored over Northwestern. Now, think about that a second. There was talk about Northwestern, you know, being in the – they win some games. Who knows? Maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they – Coastal Carolina is better than Northwestern. Auburn, underdogs against Coastal Carolina. Oklahoma State, Penn State. This is a real team. 20th ranked in the country in the power rankings. BYU, where are they? Oh, let me see. I'll name the teams ahead of BYU. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. End of list. Right now, in the power rankings, and these, this is a combined hybrid, the Football Outsiders does, of two different really good computer rankings. This is gold, these rankings. BYU's ahead of Notre Dame. And ahead of everyone else, Wisconsin, Florida, Cincinnati. I'll tell you something else about BYU. BYU had two times, and I'm going to retweet this tweet, at RJ in Vegas, right when we go to commercial, I'm going to retweet this. They had two times that they were inside the five-yard line early this season, undefeated, up by like 30 or 40, minutes left in the game, they knelt out. Now, who's to say... If they score those two extra touchdowns, which are almost inevitable, and then they win by even seven more and seven more, does it change the perception somewhere in week five? And does that lead to BYU being taken more seriously? I don't know. Maybe they're geniuses thinking, well, Neil here 
and people will be talking. We'll trick RJ into talking about how we didn't <laughs> run it up. I don't know. But I know this team has taken on all comers. They haven't canceled Jonas against anyone, have they? No, there was uh, rumors about them wanting Washington wanting to play them, but it fell apart. Um, I, I don't know the specifics as to why that fell apart. But, no, they've been out there wanting to play everybody. And also, they've got a stud at quarterback in Zach Wilson, who a lot of people think is the real deal and is going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So it's another opportunity to showcase him. And if you can showcase star players – that's also a win-win for the program because it shows that we get big-time names. That's why you should come play here. We understand that the NCAA and all the organizations are in this for money. We get it. But you know the way to make money? Or the opposite, the way to kill the goose that laid the golden egg, is to make this about something other than the best teams playing. And the idea that a Georgia or some one-loss team that doesn't win the SEC should be playing when you have an undefeated team that the computers say can play with anybody. I get they They played Boise. They haven't had a tough competition. But that's what the computers do. They assess, does that 36-point win against one team, is it better than an 8-point win against another? Because you can only beat who will play you. BYU's saying, don't crown us national champions. Just let us play your teams. Let's just let us play them. And you know what? If Georgia and BYU played right now, Game would be about a pick em. What do you think, Faz? I think that normally I don't like to lay minus 10, but BYU may not have run it up in prior games. If they get a chance, I think they're looking for margin yeah. in this game and style points. Is that anti-religious? Is that like something about the Mormons? <laughs> no comment? No comment. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. <laughs> By the way, I'm joking. Fez, <laughs> you're supposed to say no, no. I love Utah. What do you mean by that? That's <laughs> it. Turn his mic off. When we come back, <laughs> we're going to talk Lakers in the NBA, and we'll see if Fezzik's even here or not. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, RJ, one of the elements to yesterday's game between the Ravens and the Steelers was the return of RG3, once the number two pick overall in the NFL draft. But RG3 with an up and down performance yesterday versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is kind, Jonas. Three and a half quarters, <laughs> 33 yards passing. And we know that. As I said at the end of Patton, glory is fleeting. But, man, memories are short, and glory is fleeting. I was thinking about that this morning. And I spent a little time, kind of deep-dived it, and pulled out about a minute of sound of RG3 in about six months, not that long ago. The 2011 winner of the Heisman Trophy is Robert Griffin III, RG3! First of all, by Kyle Shanahan, 
That's a design run. That's a design quarterback draw. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, that's world-class speed by Robert Griffith III. RG3 electrified all the way. Woo! For the first time since 1999, the Redskins are NFC East champions. There's never been three rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs in the same year. The Heisman Trophy winner, Adam Baylor. And the 2012 AP Offensive Rookie of the Year is... RG3, Robert Griffin III. You notice at the end, Jonas, the, the, the cheers died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy won the Rookie of the Year over Russell Wilson, over Andrew Luck, won the Heisman over Andrew Luck, and... One injury. I mean, in hindsight, he was injury prone or has been because he's been hurt a bunch. But one injury and it was never he was never really a competitive quarterback again. And it just shows you is as much as we uh, I think naturally people have envy to some degree of athletes. They get to make millions and they're famous. It's all just a blink of the eye, unless you're LeBron. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's give the guy credit. But man, oh man, we forget RG3 was at the top of the whole freaking league. And yesterday it was like, oh my God, we got to start him. Three and a half quarters, 33 yards. Jonas, what does that engender? How does that... How do you respond to that? Uh, it's just I, I feel bad for the guy that his body failed him. And one of the things that was brought up, and I think it was Collinsworth during the broadcast, who said, you know, after he came back from that injury, he didn't want to be a mobile quarterback anymore. He wanted to show that he could throw the ball. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he was worried it was going to happen again. But you also forget that in that same draft class, Washington also drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. And if you were to tell somebody on draft day, hey, one guy's going to be a starter for a long, long time in this league, and it's not going to be the guy you drafted first at that position, I think they, they would think you were crazy. And Cousins, if you take out, and this is a concept we've been playing with this year, which is how do you get garbage time out of the stats? Because we all know garbage time is not as telling. It's not a typical game state, right. as they say. So what we do is after every play, the NFL, ESPN, various people have a win expectancy. As in, from this play, how likely is it for Team A to win, Team B to win? If the win expectancy is above 85% or below 15%, and you look at Cousins and you throw out the, those extremes, so it's just in the middle, 15 to 85, yes, the fourth best quarterback in the NFL this year has been Cousins. So as much as you can say, oh, Cousins is a game manager, fourth best stats, Let's talk, speaking of stats, LeBron, let's talk NBA. Yeah, and it was LeBron signing a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers that'll take him out for the next couple of seasons. Also, Anthony Davis, the max deal gets done, so the Lakers keep LeBron and AD as they try and uh, rebound and come back and, uh, and try and uh, repeat that NBA championship they won in the bubble just a couple of months ago. Here's what strikes me, Fez. If you listen to the talk shows, the, not the gambling shows, the talk shows are saying, oh my, this is like back with the Heat. Maybe it should be the Heat versus the field kind of thing. Lakers, 50%. Rest of the field, 50%. 
But the odds say differently. They do. The Lakers are plus 275, so you can risk 100 to win $275. That implies only about a one-fourth chance the Lakers are going to win the title. And what were the Lakers' odds like earlier this year? Plus, plus the same, right? Yeah, right around three to one before they won the championship. So what we're saying is, right now, even solidifying, even signing six men a year, backup six men a year, whatever number two is, the Lakers aren't any better in the eyes of the betting market relative to the rest of the league as they were, you know, six months ago. Exactly, shocking. Speaking finally, Rockets, they were like. 50 to 1. Now they're in the 40 to 1 range. So a little improvement for the Rockets with the wall trade, but not very much at all. Still big long shots. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast. It includes a crossfire as Steve and RJ go over the Patriots and Chargers game this upcoming Sunday. You can get that at FoxSportsRadio.com. Just search straight out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 